Hello. Welcome back for the much-awaited second part of Diagnosing a Killer's Elliot Roger. Oh my god, it's been a week. A whole week. And I haven't even heard. Like, I'm waiting with the listeners, so I haven't heard. I mean, I know the story, but I haven't heard your take on the second part. Oh my gosh, it's a lot. other people have been waiting for it too i've been hearing a lot of like okay like release it already thank mm-hmm. you so anyone that's been saying that here you are welcome back are you excited yeah i'm okay. koel i'm kenna and i am excited to talk about this and oh my gosh it's it's a lot just get it's it out there yeah just get it out there get the content out there and uh you know i know we always say like not to say or we don't want everybody thinking that we're just like, oh my god, I can't wait to like just get this over with. But it's like, <laughs> it is. It's like closing a chapter. Yeah, there's every a sense time. of relief when you yeah. finish a really, really long-awaited, especially if it took you like longer to research than yeah. normal. It's re- there's a sense of relief when you're done with it because you're it's like, true. I don't have to like read anything about that guy ever again if right. I don't want to. And and it's really weird researching people, especially people that I don't know. I wouldn't say like you feel connected with, but certain aspects that you can like kind of see it I guess from their perspective a little bit as to why they are the way that they are I feel like I felt that way with Berkowitz I felt that way with kind of Randy Stare honestly and when you when you do so much research you feel like you are uncovering all of these layers to somebody's life it's like you get to know them yeah and then you think about them and you know I do I don't I do I do absolutely so researching this case over the course of you know a week or two it's every day i'm thinking about elliot roger every day you know yeah i think that's maybe the difference i mean obviously the difference in us but something that really helps me be a host of a true crime podcast is that i don't dwell on my cases yeah i have a huge like empathy bone but it usually only happens for people in my life like in my personal life when I hear a story or read about someone, I don't feel the same as if I'm, like, in the same, you know, circle of friends with yeah. them or whatever. I feel like I can very easily forget about a story that I just heard and yeah. turn it off, which is why I can listen to, like, True Crime Before Bed or, like, On the Way to Work, and yeah. I don't carry it with me. I'm just like, whatever. Sure. No, and I, I get exactly what you're saying. I definitely listen to True Crime all day, every day. If I'm not in here recording, then I'm listening to it in my room, and if I'm not listening to it in my room, I am usually have my my um headset on and walking around listening to true crime while i'm doing chores so but i think it's more of when we're doing it for the podcast i want to know anything and everything about this person yeah so it's a little bit more intimate in a way than just listening to something on tv or listening to somebody else talk about it you know yeah for sure and i will definitely go further than my research shows like Mm -hmm. i'll have all these different things that i know about this person i won't necessarily write every bit down Mm -hmm. but i do extensive and external research even just in you know their college years or whatever i hear i read an article i'm not going to include it in my research but i'll read about it so that if it does come up in the podcast i can kind of relate it to something yeah but, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like... I think you and I do research very differently, though. Mm-hmm. I kind of just, like, watch... A, I Like, I watch a TV show and do research at the same time. So it's all just, like, very monotone to me. I'm mm-hmm. not, like, deep diving 
And of course, I get all the info out there, right? Yeah. But I'm not like enveloped in the story because I'm watching something else to kind of distract me almost. Because yeah. I, I feel like if I let myself kind of do that, then I would just be anxious all the time, even more than I am. <laughs> yeah. No, I definitely have to put myself like in the mind of that person. I'm like Michelle McNamara. Yeah. Like I can I can see myself being her. Really? And oh, absolutely. And just living and breathing a case like that and getting to know everybody's perspectives or even Googling or YouTubing the way that somebody's voice sounds is very important to me. Like, yeah, I, see, I don't care I about have that. to, yeah. When I do, re- and I, when you do research, you look up, like, interviews and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't do that. Yeah. If I do, it's like a transcript. I don't watch videos. Yeah, no, I have to. I don't know. That's so funny. I didn't know that mm-hmm. until now. Well, I wanted to show you something really quick. I didn't have a hair tie today, and my lovely coworker made me one out of a sock. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> I was like, does anyone have a spare hair tie? And she comes in the room and she's, she's like, like, I don't I have, have a, a hair tie, but I cut a sock. <laughs> I think it was one of the kids' socks. That's so cute, Or just though. an extra sock that we had. That totally works. Right? I was like, okay, perfect. It looks like one of those that, that are the non, uh, like, the one that puts a kink in your hair. What oh, well, called? it totally did, but. Well, barely, though. The non, there's, like, no elastic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the non-elastic ones. Well, that was a sufficient explanation on our research. Yeah. Welcome, everybody, Welcome. back to this episode. We've been getting a lot of Instagram followers lately. I know every day we're getting, like, more and more, which is super exciting. And a lot more, like, commenting traffic and things like that, like, liking traffic, stuff yeah. like that. And someone had commented on Albert Fish and on Randy Craft, I think, and the same person. And they said about Albert Fish, like he's terrible or something like that. And then mm-hmm. uh, Randy Craft was like, he's not a very nice guy. <laughs> it's like, he's definitely not. We don't research nice people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then just to remind everyone, I know we have a lot of episodes out, so if you can't find it, we did do an episode on Samuel Little. My friend Steph had actually texted me today and asked if we had. And I said, yeah, I actually did him really early on. She goes, yeah. oh my God, I'll have to go back and listen. I must have missed it. So if anyone's like thinking about Samuel Little or you know who he is or you don't, go listen to his story because it's pretty freaking wild. That is a wild story. I forget about that one sometimes, but every once in a while it's one of those where I go back and I'm like, what did we, what have we, what have we done already? Yeah. And I see it and I'm like, oh my gosh, that was such a good episode. Yeah, he's dubbed as the deadliest serial killer in America, I'm pretty sure, still today. His interviews are very intense. See, I wouldn't even know. Oh, they're <laughs> very so intense. Funny. He has such a deadpan when he's described. It's like he's telling you about his day yeah. or his grocery list. It's very, very bizarre. Very disconnected. Yeah, very. Wow. Well, thank you guys for all of the Instagram traffic. If you'd like to follow us on Instagram and you don't have us, we are at Diagnosing a Killer. We also are that tag on, or that hash, what is it called? The handle on every other social <laughs> media except for Twitter, which is at Killer Diagnosis. And then we do have DiagnosingAKiller.com. There you can find links to our merch line, our resource line, and then also the tickets for the True Crime and Paranormal Podcast Festival happening in, like, literally two months. Yeah. Which is crazy to me. Yeah, I'm, that's, it's beyond my scope right now. Two months, two and a half months, essentially, Mm because it's, like, the beginning of June. But, yeah, two months. Y'all check out that merch tab, please, because I worked really hard on it. It looks really good. Oh, and we updated our link tree. I'm not sure if anyone saw. It looks really good. Our link tree is, like, super (laughs) uniform. It actually (laughs) looks good. You can see the logos on everything, and we have everything updated on Mm -hmm. that as well. All right. So, today, we're going to be talking about (laughs) (laughs) Elliot Roger Part 2. We all all know that, but content warning. This episode depicts scenes of assault, sexism, racism, Grave bodily harm and injury, as well as murder and suicide. Mm. Whew. 
If this episode is not for you, we encourage you to check out another one of our episodes. Remember that your mental health comes first, and we love you. We love you. Speaking of mental health, before we get started, we are sponsored by BetterHelp. It's true. So we do have a discount code for BetterHelp. It is, think, 10% off of your first month with our discount code, D-A-K-P-O-D. Just as a reminder, because I feel like that ad is not in every single episode, Mm -hmm. but I do want to share that because that's super important to me. For sure. And uh, kind of in this kind of in the same vein today is the very first day of pride month if you are an lgbtqai plus young person in need of support you can reach out to the trevor project and one of their crisis counselors will be available 24 7 if you would like to reach out you can contact their website at thetrevorproject.org or call or text the number 212-695-8650 yeah, absolutely. And that's always going to be at the end of our show notes as well, along with the National Suicide Hotline. And which also is now our, 988, right? Yeah, 988 for the National uh, Suicide Lifeline. Lifeline. And uh, yeah, you should also be able to access those same numbers under our resource tab on diagnosingakiller.com. Yep. Whew. Clearly, we love you guys a lot. It's true. <laughs> we just want to make sure you guys are well taken care of. We know it's hard, with especially with us researching true crime a lot and doing the podcast about it. It's probably just as taxing listening to true crime a lot, you know, because that's yeah. what we do. And we we understand that sometimes you need a break. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you need some extra assistance. It's true. So we're there to offer the resources for that. So last we left off, Elliot was in high school. He would go on to graduate in 2009, and he looked towards his future um, education. He was actually really excited for this chapter of his life since he kind of had this renewed hope that he could get a girlfriend in college, right? Plenty of college kids go to college as virgins. Yeah, let me guess. He showed up and immediately was like, all these girls are bitches, and all these guys are stupid, and all the girls are (laughs) dumb for dating them, because they're just jocks. Every single person in this entire college probably has, like, 50,000 people. Okay, give me a second. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So he would enroll in Pierce College, although just one course, and Elliot was still excited. He was still apprehensive, however. After yet another argument with Samaya, Elliot was kicked out of the house again by her, um, and his father would go on and allow this, even so far as to saying that he couldn't even come and visit the house, because oh Samaya said so. Okay. Elliot would continue the argument in his head, calling his father weak-minded, letting a woman walk all over him, and not being more commanding of his household. Alpha like, male. <laughs> yeah, it's like the the fake arguments you have after the fact in exactly. the shower. Yeah, so these are these are <laughs> so all like in his journals and his manifestos saying like that his father was this weak individual and yeah. how dare he let a woman treat him that way oh when he himself is essentially allowing Samaya to treat him that way, which yeah. is even more ridiculous. You just reminded me when you were saying that you could feel like you can somewhat like relate to these people you researched. I was like, damn, mm-hmm. am I gonna find your fucking manifesto? <laughs> Your room. <laughs> alpha male. That's totally me. I'm totally an alpha male. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that one video where it's that high school kid where he's like talking back to the teacher and he says, the alpha male says blah, blah, blah. And the About teacher's himself. like, cool. Well, uh, the beta male says, can you please take your seat? Like, <laughs> to That's the, yeah. amazing. Seriously. Like, he's like, okay, Mr. Alpha male, why don't you go ahead and take a seat? Like, yeah. What a diss. It's pretty He's funny. Like, you're not gonna make me back down. I'm just gonna be extra nice to you. And it's funny because the kid is standing, but the teacher's sitting at his desk, and he's just like, "All right, alpha male, go ahead and take. Will the alpha male please take his seat?" <laughs> Treat you like a child if you're gonna act like one. 
So Elliot would begin to stay at Lee Chin's, his mom's. Finding something to do on Halloween night when you're in college isn't very hard to do, so after trolling social media, Elliot found a house party within walking distance. He walked to the party only to be met by very few people sitting around just smoking weed, which totally wasn't his thing to begin with. He waited about 45 minutes, pretty much just brooding in the corner, right? Because that's Elliot Roger. Oh my god. Takes it upon himself to find a house party, goes, and then pouts. <laughs> Notice me, senpai. I don't know anybody here. Yeah. <laughs> well, you didn't fucking throw the party. <laughs> well, you trolled on the internet and found one. Nobody's going to know you. Yeah, also, if anyone's in college, do not put your party address on social media, because my old roommate did that one time in college, and it was a very bad night. This is like, this is like 2010. Okay, but still. I'm saying nowadays. Oh, yeah. Definitely no, don't, don't do that, because this was like 2016 for me, and Gosh, it was not good Facebook stuff. events, all that stuff. It was on E-bites, Twitter, but yeah. It but was, still, you yeah. know, I mean, anybody could, I remember. Anybody. Anybody. And <laughs> I remember uh, an old girlfriend of mine, she, there was this one chick that, I'm not going to get into it, but either way, this chick found the address and mm. it wasn't good yeah police stations also have twitter oh yeah <laughs> okay we gotta stop bantering so okay. people want to hear the story <laughs> on his way back home a truckload of drunk college kids attempted to egg elliot as he was walking oh, no. when the boys missed him he picked up an egg that hadn't broke and threw it back at them the boys got out of the truck in an attempt to beat elliot up only for elliot to produce a pocket knife that he regularly carried with him at night the boys took off, and Elliot began to find this great sense of power after this incident. Which reminds me of Timothy McVeigh, right? Wasn't it Timothy McVeigh or Randy Stare? was like, it's the greatest equalizer. Oh, yeah. I but that was actually don't remember. So after this incident, Elliot began to work out, because no longer were people going to judge him based off of his frail-looking body. Maybe even girls might take notice of him, you know? Mm-hmm. Elliot would get his driver's license at 18. Driving around always scared him before this. He was like, oh no, like, yeah, he was scared to drive. That's okay, some people are scared of driving. I, okay. Yeah, I agree. But yeah. It's like he's scared of everything, and then he gets mad when yeah. people don't it's the fantastic just, like, of everything. make him feel better. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Like, ugh, go ahead. <laughs> around this time, Lee Chen would actually start dating someone as well, but she hadn't really been dating at all until now. This likely didn't help Elliot's need for feminine attention. Yeah, of course not. Becoming depressed again and not finding any female attention at college, Elliot would quit school. How long did he try? He went for about a semester, I think it was. Yeah. Okay. He started spending time in Barnes and Nobles. Barn is it, it's Barnes and Noble, right? It's Barnes and Noble. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just one singular Just one noble. noble. There's plenty of Barnes, but only one noble. Just one noble. <laughs> So he would go daily, and he would start reading about philosophy, self-help, sex, and love, and anything that really interests him. He felt like at this point, if he was smart or worldly enough, surely a girl would be interested in that, right? Okay, so what I'm hearing is, like, he's not willing to give one thing a chance for too long. Right. He's going to give it a try for maybe a few months... It, it blows up in his face, or maybe it doesn't blow up in his face. Maybe he just doesn't have a lot of progress. Yeah. Then he's just going to try something else, and then eventually he's going to say, well, I've tried everything I possibly can, and then resort to whatever he yeah. resorts to. It's like the imposter syndrome thing. It's like, right. remember we were talking about that the other day. It's like, I'm not good at this one thing, so I'm going to try something else, because now I'm defeated, because mm-hmm. I'm not good at this one thing. But didn't we say one of the coping mechanisms is to realize that your life is a work in progress? Yeah. Everything that you do is a work in progress. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't happen right away... 
that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Right. right. And that's the disconnect for him. I think that he also has this very... He thinks that things should just come easily to him. Exactly. And so... I think that when he realized, oh, I actually have to work at college. Well, you know what? I'm just going to skip a billion steps and go to Barnes and Noble and read as much as I possibly can. Yes. And therefore, I will have the equivalent of a college education. But I did it on my time and very and much faster. Yes, I completely agree with you. And also, this is just my personal opinion. I think it has a lot to do with the money mm-hmm. and how he didn't want for anything when he was a kid. Right. But not only did he not want for anything, it was very apparent to him that his parents, like. We're like, okay, we'll just take care of it, we'll just take care of it. So when he got into the real world, mm-hmm. that's why there was that shock factor of, right. oh shit, now I have to do things for myself. Personally, if I had a lot of money and I was raising children, I would make sure they didn't want for anything, but I would like kind of tone down to them about how much money we have yeah. so that they remain humble. Yeah. yeah I don't yeah. know. I, just, I understand that's what, what you're saying. Do. And I think that also with Peter and uh, Lee Chen not like being divorced and all this sort of stuff that maybe they felt like, that guilt. And you yeah, see they that had to, like, overcompensate. Right. You see that often with parents that divorce when their kids are really young is yeah. that they overcompensate a lot for that because they feel guilty that they are in a broken home now and all this sort of stuff. So I get the Xboxes and the PCs and yeah. the, any video game and any anything that they can possibly give to distract him from them being... In their minds, bad parents. Yeah, yeah, and let's be real. Like, I, it's easier said for me because I don't have children. Like, mm-hmm. I could say whatever I want. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it's like you know, right. to be in that situation. But that's personally just what I feel like might have been able to be done differently yeah. for him to not feel like this growing up. Right, and right. I agree with that. And I it's really no do. one's fault, per se. I definitely don't think his parents did it on purpose to be no. like, yeah, we're going to raise this kid to be, you know, wanting to think everything comes easily Exactly, to him. yeah. But unfortunately, that's what happened as a result of how he was raised. I think that, you know, they probably anticipated that their son was going to grow up respecting his his affluence, I suppose. Because you, you do see that a lot, like, you know, with people that... They they tend to go to Ivy League schools and they tend to... I mean, kind of like Menendez, right? Like Menendez brothers. Like, they yeah. had this facade about who they were supposed to be versus someone like Elliot who... It just kind of seems bratty. It doesn't seem like it's something that he ever wanted. He yeah. just wants to do whatever he wants to do, but he wants it now. He doesn't want it later. Well, yeah, and that's the risky part, too. Mm-hmm. You don't know what kind of mental disorders someone is predisposed to developing. Right. So that could be, and it has been in this sense, very detrimental. Mm-hmm. The Menendez brothers, different story. They were raised thinking that. They were very humble about it when they right. were older. And then, of course, we know what happened. But with Elliot, he might, uh, probably does have an underlying mental disorder, whether it's narcissistic personality disorder, antisocial personality mm-hmm. disorder, that is making him feel the way he's feeling currently, right. and on top of the way he was raised. Absolutely. One day, while walking around the mall, Elliot ran into Maddie, his old childhood friend. Mm-hmm. She was with her boyfriend. Oh, no. And although Elliot claimed that he was never sexually attracted to Maddie, it was something that completely grossed him out. Because now she was one of them. Quote, unquote. Quote, unquote. Cute. One of them. One That's... of us. One of us. <laughs> what is it? Oh, gosh. What is it? I don't know. There's, like, another chant that I was thinking of, but I can't think oh. of it. No, but that's, again, what he does. That's his thing. Is like... Oh, I'm gonna make it my idea for you to not be attracted to me. It's not your idea. Yeah. Because you have a boyfriend. It's yeah. my idea. Because now you're one of them. Because I don't want them. anything to do with you. Ew, gross. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> So around this time, Elliot began to unravel. He started making multiple fake social media accounts that he called stalking accounts. All right, stare. Yeah. 
Stare. Randy Stare. Remember he made all these fake, oh, fake characters? Made, yeah, yeah, for the, go- for the yeah. Ghost Squad. Yeah. He would obsess over friends or former friends, like guy friends, like acquaintances, um, and all of their accounts. And then he would just go from their accounts to, like, hot girls to, like, look at women's profiles, essentially. Why didn't he just do it on his own platform? It's not like people can see when you look at their profile. I don't know. I don't, unless he tried to interact with them a few times or something. Yeah. Remember when poking was a thing on Facebook? Yes. <laughs> he poked you. I thought it was so cool because I had, like, 38 pokes one time. Or not 38, but, like, a bunch. But low-key, like, I would be the one to, like, I would poke, like, 50 people, and then I would, like, log back in, like, a day later and be like, oh my god, all these people poked me, when they really just poked me back. Yeah. But I thought I was, like, popular. It looked cool. Am I the problem? Am I the <laughs> drama? Am I Elliot Roger? Am I Elliot Roger? <laughs> Ugh. So he would look through these women's profiles and constantly judge them for being, like, dumb, for being with these jocks or these jerks or whatever, and... He was like, you know, you look like a sloot. <laughs> you look like a sloot. And that's always the mindset. It's like if a girl doesn't want you, she's automatically a slut. Yeah. Or she's a or lesbian. She's she has to be. Yeah. Well, she doesn't want She doesn't want to be with me. <laughs> Not be with me. <laughs> How dare you? You what? must be a lesbian. But no, for real. Like, I've actually, I think I've said this on the podcast before. Like, this guy asked me for my number one time. I told him no, and he called me a lesbian. I'm like, yeah, I'm a lesbian. If that makes you walk away, yes, I'm a lesbian. Yeah. <laughs> Like, Either way, you're walking away without my number. Yeah, there's worse things to be, bro. That's not even a bad thing. <laughs> exactly. So one night when he was spending time with two guy friends, they were kind of going in a bit of back and forth, like Elliot and this friend, and just, you know, poking or jesting at each other. Oh my God. When the friend said, quote, no girl in this whole world will ever want to fuck you, Elliot, end quote. Oh my God. It's like, that's fucked up. He's though. like, yeah, I know. And then he runs in a corner. <laughs> no, but for real, Awful. though, like, that's yeah. fucked up. He probably got his feelings big hurt. Elliot said on reflect- reflecting back on this, quote, I already felt that no girl in the world wanted to fuck me. I was a kissless virgin after all. That was the sole reason why I was suffering. But to hear it come from someone else, someone like him, it really caused it to sink into the core of my mental mentality and my emotions, end quote. A kissless virgin. A kissless virgin. That's, like, really sad. Like, I'm not trying to laugh. <laughs> no, I know. Like, That's really sad. But, like, I still can't excuse no, absolutely. the future behavior. Like, But everybody deserves of to be people, loved, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But plenty of people go to college virgins, kissless virgins. Kissless virgins. But, like, God, it's just, it's one of those things where it's, like, Someone else that didn't maybe have a predisposition to developing mental illness probably could have gone through the exact same thing he went through and made it for themselves, Right, you know? And it sucks, because it's like, how do you differentiate who can handle that shit and who can't? And especially, like, bullies. Like, bullies aren't going to censor themselves because they're worried about someone's feelings. Well, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think that's what I'm saying is, like, it probably hurt worse because his friend knows that he's a virgin and, like, he poked (sighs) at him too hard. so sad. Elliot said this was compounded because the friend that he had 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 many sex- successful dating um, instances, experiences, I guess. <laughs> so, you know, it just, it was like, oh, he's the one out of, like, the three of us that regularly dates girls, and then he's making fun of me for being a, a kissless virgin. Like, he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't, mean to like, say, I didn't mean to laugh when you said that. No. I was laughing because it sounded like you were struggling to get it out. I, I was. was like... Yeah. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> yeah, no, that's that's really shitty. I'd probably be big upset too. Yeah. Big mad. Like that's a low blow. That's a low blow. Ugh. 
After pressure from his mom to get a job, get a job, <laughs> Elliot decided to go back to college, but at a new campus. This one was full of beautiful people, so of course Elliot loved this. He soon felt all the same things that he felt at his first attempt at college when he saw couples walking around holding hands, and he didn't feel like there was any female attention coming his way. Do you think, so side note, do you think that Elliot might have been struggling with his sexuality? Do you think he might have been at least bisexual or maybe gay? Maybe. Okay, it doesn't or, really come out or No, not really. And, and I think in a lot of his YouTube videos, which we haven't really gotten to that point here, but anytime he really mentions sex, he gets this, like, kind of goofy smile. Like, he's like, you know, and I just don't know when I'm thinking about having sex with a girl... And it's this kind of, like, embarrassment or shyness. Huh. It's very strange. And I'll, I'll give my opinions later. Okay. I'm going to write it down right now so I don't forget because I probably will. But <laughs> So, Elliot had another, like, kind of get-rich-quick scheme. Mm-hmm. He decided he wanted to become a writer. Maybe becoming a famous writer, writing for movies, would make him more desirable to women. Okay. After all... After all of this, it would probably be worth it, right? He always said that he knew that he was destined for great things. He would crush his own dreams by eventually looking up the statistics of how successful writers are and getting stories picked up by movie companies. So he gave up after a few months of dedicated writing. Again, like, it's my idea. I'm gonna shut it down before I can get, before I can so- fail or I can get hurt or Or whatever. somebody can tell, tell me that I failed. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And also, not giving it an honest try. Just trying it for a few months and then giving up. Feeling defeated once again, he quit the only course that he was taking at college during this time. And it was mostly because he raged after seeing a girl that he was interested in, in his in that one class, holding hands between, like, after class with another guy. So oh he was like, God. oh, well, the only reason I was taking this course because of that hot girl. And now that she has a boyfriend, I'm just going to quit. I remember that. I remember hearing <sighs> that when I listened to the story. It was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Elliot, however, would keep this a secret from his mother out of fear of being kicked out or being made to get a job. Yeah. So he was just, he quit school and didn't tell his mom. Because last time he quit school, again, after like a few months, his mom was like, get a job. Yeah. So now he's like, fuck that. I'm just not going to tell her. <laughs> Elliot also developed a quickly growing obsession with the lottery. He wanted to get rich quick, right? So he would often fantasize about becoming a billionaire in order to attract the perfect woman. Oh my god. It's so hard not to smile. I want to be a billionaire as well. But I'm not gonna just, like, sit on my ass and just hope I become a billionaire (laughs) one day. Like... I'm working. Yeah. I did get a job. Yeah. After I quit school. Not quit school. After I graduated, I did get a job. Right. No, he thinks that um, someone's just going to come by and, like, hand him a billion dollars if he plays the lottery. That's literally... Like, I guarantee you he's not even buying lotto tickets. He's just like, I'm going to win the lottery. (laughs) Just not buying Just hang out outside of, like, a place that they sell lottery tickets. Yeah, he just just pick them up off the ground. When Elliot turned 19, his father sent him a birthday card telling Elliot that he should apologize to Samaya. That's what his birthday card said. You should also apologize to Samaya so we can spend more time together. His dad is not helping at all. No. (laughs) He never has been. Mm, What a guy. (sighs) Elliot approached his mother about attending Santa Barbara University. It's the University of California in Santa Barbara. Mm -hmm. After talking with Peter about helping out financially... 
the two agreed that it would be good for Elliot to live closer to the campus and kind of get out of the nest, you okay. know, because he was living with Peter and Samaya. When they kicked him out, he was living with Li Chen, and so now they're like, go create your own life. That's a great idea. You should go do that. Spread your wings. Spread your wings. Get out. <laughs> he said, quote, in truth, the move to Santa Barbara was actually a chance that I was about to give the world, not the other way around. I was giving the world one last chance to give me the life that I know I'm entitled to, the life that other boys are able to live with ease. If I still have to suffer the same rejection and injustice even after I move to Santa Barbara, then that will be the last straw. Then I will have my vengeance, end quote. The life that I'm entitled to. The life that I'm entitled to. Let's I'm entitled to this. very honest. No one is entitled to shit. No one's entitled world. to shit. You need to earn it. It's so true. Fuck that mindset. I can't... God, that makes me so mad. Like... <laughs> I cannot stand when people have that mindset. I don't know what bugs me so much about it. I mean, I'm sure it bugs everyone else, but, like, I deserve this. Yeah. Just give it to me because I deserve it. Right. What the fuck did you do to deserve it? Are you Jesus Christ? <laughs> Even then. Even then. Like, <laughs> no. So he moved, optimistic that maybe this will be the time that he finds someone. Sure enough, the first few months of this new adventure did not bring Elliot a hot blonde, and one by one, he began to quit his classes yet again. First few months. First few months. Not even a whole semester. Well, I think it might have been, I mean, a few months is okay. pretty much a semester, right? Either way. He was livid that in a city and area this dense with hot college kids, he couldn't find a single girl that would find him attractive. Now, during this time, is he trying to talk to girls? No, No, he's, he's just waiting for one to walk out yeah, to him? All exactly. right, get fucked. Yeah. For sure. God. He would try to go back to school yet what it, once again the following fall semester. This time rooming with two Hispanic men, which apparently Elliot did not like. Can you oh. guess why? Because Spe they were Hispanic? Specifically because they were Hispanic. And he called them low-life scum. He wanted clean-cut white roommates that were sure to attract blonde white women to his apartment. I'm sorry. I know plenty of blonde women that are dating Hispanic men. <laughs> do you mean? He was like, look at the statistics. <laughs> Jesus. I read the books for so two he's days. A, he's a racist on top of all this, by the way. God, dude. Yeah, I'm sure he's like, the only people that are entitled to shit in this world are like <laughs> me. Like, God. So his two roommates would quickly find out that he was a virgin, and the two proceeded to talk about their sexual experiences, which of course disgusted Elliot, because he didn't understand how these two unattractive Hispanic men had lost their virginities before he did. He said, quote, I am a beautiful, magnificent gentleman, and he is a low-class, low pig-faced thug, talking about his roommate, end quote. Yeah. Have you seen these photos of Elliot, anyone? I'm sorry. Not the best-looking fucking dude. He's also brunette. He's yeah, not even he's blonde. Not. Like, fuck you. <laughs> he had also expressed around this time that he considered himself to be a conservative Republican, and, well, let's be honest, certainly a racist. Well, yeah. Ah. I feel like there was a fly on my leg. What's that noise? Ah. Oh, no. Ah. Cher. <laughs> he sounded like Cher. Oh, no. <laughs> if I could turn back time, you haven't seen the last of me. <laughs> I like your Cher. From burlesque. <laughs> I like your Cher. Way past the point of breaking, I can't take it. <laughs> That's so Cher. Cher, sign me up. <laughs> Can I be a backup singer? Thanks. Sweet Cher. 
So Elliot was just going to try twice as hard to betray the image that he wanted the world to see since he's has he has these Hispanic roommates that'll never attract a white woman. He's going to he's just going to have to try twice as hard cuz he can't attract a white woman. No, no. Now again blaming someone else, blaming the roommates. Oh, the white women are never going <laughs> to way at a white women that. They're never going to come back to my dorm cuz <laughs> these two guys aren't going to attract them. Certainly, I couldn't do anything to attract them. I couldn't them. do that. I yeah. can't just take it upon myself to go do things. Well, no, nope, it's their fault. He wanted it to come easy. So exactly. in his head, he thought, if I have jock douchebag, you know, these things that I claim that I hate, have them as roommates, they'll definitely be the ones to be around these women that yeah, I want or Because he wanted them to just be there. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. 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 <laughs> So, Elliot would change out his polo shirts to Hugo Boss and Armani, Calvin Klein, Gucci, all this stuff, right? So, he decided to wear designer shit. That's how he was going to do it. If Because before this, remember, he was kind of, yeah, yeah. you know, just a little skateboardy or a little more casual. Now yeah. it's like, now I have to prove that I have this money and then people will be attracted to me. Let's see how this plan works. This still would not provide any single girl's numbers. The only female phone numbers that Elliot had on his phone at this time were his family members. <laughs> he couldn't wait for the semester to be over. He hated history class specifically because there was a jock stuck in between two of the hottest girls in class. And Elliot would have to watch on as the two of them flirted with this meathead. <laughs> I, I literally just can't. Elliot has gone to his local Starbucks one morning in July of 2011. Because that's where blonde white women hang out. Yeah. <laughs> well, he has to, I mean, that's what rich people do. They go to Starbucks, yeah. you know? <laughs> we must be fucking rich. We're fucking rich. <laughs> go, like, every fucking day. <laughs> of course, he claims that he was optimistic about his day. I was feeling so optimistic this day. I was going down to my local Starbucks. Yeah. Everything was great. I'm going to meet a woman today. That's what he's someone thinking. Someone ruins it. <sighs> Couldn't be him. He sat down outside, enjoying the light summer breeze, when he noticed a couple sitting near him. Bum, bum, bum. He described the boy as being this punk rocker type who looked dirty, and his girlfriend was a pretty sun-kissed blonde. This enraged Elliot, and this was because just the day before, he was actually having lunch with his father. He and his father noticed a pretty blonde sitting with this kind of nothing guy, and Elliot had felt really embarrassed, especially with them sitting so close to them and they were kissing and all that sort of stuff. And that Elliot felt really embarrassed that he didn't have a girlfriend sitting there next to him while he was talking to his father, right? <sighs> he had wanted to throw his soda at the couple at the time, but feared that his father would be even more embarrassed. But this time, sitting outside the Starbucks, Elliot's father was not around. Elliot waited for the couple to head to their car before running up to the couple and dumping his coffee over the couple. Yeah, he waited until they were leaving yeah. so that hopefully they would just go ahead and leave anyway yeah. after he did that. Elliot quickly ran away as he was fearful that he was about to get his ass kicked, of course. Oh my god. This was a very rewarding moment for Elliot as he had never acted out towards someone else before other than the one egging. Mm -hmm. Just two weeks later, he would throw iced tea at another couple that he saw kissing in a food court. It didn't say if it was on campus or in a mall, but yeah. either way, it was in July. So he didn't get his ass beat either time? No. He Probably was able to escape. Probably should have. Probably should have. Probably should have. Well, okay, this is all according to him, too. I don't know if anybody's really come forward saying that they've been the people getting coffeed or iced teed. He just, like, pours out on the sidewalk next to them. Oh, my bad. 
Like, he actually did that instead of yeah. pouring it on them. He pretends to and trip. His, yeah, in his memory, <laughs> oh. he, like, poured it all he's over like, them. Hey, got them. <laughs> he actually just, like, <laughs> threw it in the trash can next to them. He's like, hey, hey, it was splashed you. <laughs> You're in the splash zone, bitch. <laughs> <sighs> so, that summer, the family would take multiple trips, sometimes with his father, sometimes with his mother. And with each trip, Elliot longed to share these travels with someone. He imagined walking down the beach, holding hands with a girl, watching the sunset, rolling in the sand together. He imagined what it must feel like to hold the person that you love so closely, with their warmth and their lended ear. All the romantic moments that he had to offer and no one to share these views with. As Fucking her- do something about it then. Try to talk to people. Sorry, I cut you off. But, like, <laughs> don't just sit there and be mad that you don't have this. Fucking try. Like, no. No, that's, no, that's... No. That's obviously not his thing. Like, no, he doesn't it's not. try at all. Trying is not his thing. As heartbroken as he was, he was equally filled with rage. After returning to the next school year, Elliot stopped by his local Starbucks on his way to classes. This would be the first day back, and again, he found this newfound confidence, as he usually does. It's like he's hitting a reset button, like, every time. Every time. Here, here we go again, going during the semester. Hopefully someone will come and talk to me talk this time. Because I'm sure as hell not going <laughs> to fucking do it myself. Talk to me today. Hopefully I'll win the lottery without buying tickets. <laughs> he fantasized throughout the day that groups of girls were swooning over him every time that he walked by. They were so attracted to him, all the giggling that he was hearing was that of admiration and not disgust. Like, he started thinking, let me change my mindset here. Okay, sure, that might work. Mm-hmm. This worked for some time, often repeating mantras to himself like, yes, I am the image of beauty and supremacy. Okay, well, that's a little narcissistic. <laughs> but a if lot. it works, it works. <laughs> it works, it works. Make <laughs> it till you make it. <laughs> you know what? Make it till you become it, girl. Yeah. <laughs> Do it. In January 2012, after getting into his car and leaving campus for the day, he claimed that he was laughed at by a group of girls at a bus stop near campus. Immediately, Elliot turned his car around and threw the remainder of his Starbucks coffee at the girls. He said about this attack, quote, It was such a pity that my latte wasn't hot enough to burn them. Those girls deserve to be dumped in boiling water for the crime of not giving me the attention and adoration I so rightfully deserve, end quote. You just brought me back. Core memory unlocked because I remember I was delivering a DoorDash in an apartment complex when I heard that exact line for the last time I listened to it. And it made me so mad. I was like... Ugh. If only my coffee were hot enough. It was boiling hot. But didn't he just have this mindset that day? If they're laughing, they're laughing because they're like they're embarrassed because he's so cute. What happened with that? No, I think it was he was having that at the beginning of the semester. This was after winter break. Oh, again. I thought it was the same day. No, like, no, not LOL. the same day. I'm sorry that if that's what long. it sounded like. No, no it was right. it was months later. Oh, so he was, God. you know, that's what he was trying to tell himself. Like, you know, today's the day. It's not a shiny. The day is clean. <gasps> the day is clean. Oh, God. Around this time in Elliot's writings, he had admitted to having very deep and dark fantasies about stabbing random couples and even talked about skinning his roommates alive because of their sexual experiences that they regularly talked about. That escalated quickly. Yep. (laughs) By February the following month, Elliot again began to drop classes one by one after being hurt several times by certain girls that he found attractive and learning of their having boyfriends. That's why he was hurt, because he found out that they had boyfriends. Mm-hmm. Prior to even seeing Say, him ever. Say, yeah, saying anything to him. Never they, knowing They had boyfriends, mm-hmm. and he found out somehow, because he probably many, stalked their social media. Many times in his manifestos, he 
he would name these girls by like at least their first name and but yeah would never really have interactions with them so again i didn't put their names in here because you know yeah no it makes total sense just um hate people that are happily in relationships even though you didn't know them when Mm -hmm. they got okay yeah that makes a lot of sense he said about this last attempt at schooling quote when i dropped my college classes i crossed a threshold that i knew existed but never actually believed i would cross It completely ended all hope I had of living a desirable life in Santa Barbara. I realized that I would be a virgin forever, condemned to suffer rejection and humiliation at the hands of women because they don't fancy me, because their sexual attractions are flawed. They are attracted to the wrong type of male. I always mused to myself that I would rather die than suffer such an existence, and I knew that if it came to that, I would exact my revenge upon the world in the most catastrophic way possible. At least then I could die knowing that I fought back against the injustice that had been dealt to me, end quote. Like, he really feels scorned. Like, he really, really believes that he's being overlooked and he's kind of like this silent god amongst men, you know? Why doesn't he try to become one of these guys that gets these girls then? I mean, yeah, maybe he did, like, the frosted tips or whatever. Maybe he did <laughs> the Armani. The Armani. <laughs> but, like, why doesn't he go out for sports? Become a jock himself if those are what girls like. Because he doesn't want to fucking put in the effort. Yeah. And I... Don't get me wrong. Like, people should love you for you. You shouldn't yeah. have to change for anyone. Mm-hmm. But he's clearly so bent out of shape about it. Yeah. He could have done that. Maybe it would have worked. He could try or, you being know what nice. He could have done? Yeah, just be nice to people. Or actually try to talk to people. Yeah. Instead of just writing about them for years on end. And stalking their social media with creeper profiles. Ugh. Elliot then devised his secret plan in which he called the Day of Retribution. He for says, who? <laughs> for who? For who? <laughs> he says, quote, I will destroy all women because I can never have them. I will make them all suffer for rejecting me. I will arm myself with deadly weapons and wage a war against all women and the men they are attracted to. And I will slaughter them like animals that they are. If they won't accept me among them, then they are my enemies. They showed me no mercy, and I, in turn, will show them no mercy. The prospect will be so sweet, and justice will be ultimately served. And, of course, I will have to die to act in the act to avoid going to prison, end quote. <sighs> I, like, go ahead. I'm not even going to say anything. Keeping all this a secret from his parents and the fact that he had already dropped out, Elliot would attend the premiere of The Hunger Games with Peter and Samaya, where there's actual video of his walking the red carpet in March of 2012. Did he actually apologize to Sinea or whatever her name is? Samoya? Samoya? No. So how did he hang out with them again? <laughs> Didn't his uh-huh. dad say, like, hang out with us again, only if you apologize? No, at the house. By you, the way, have you're not allowed there? to come to the oh, house. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we don't want you in the house. It's really eerie because he's already thought about his plan, at least, um, or this day. And there's no doubt that playing over the video, you can see him just kind of looking around, like these idiots have no idea, you know, kind of shit. Yeah, these ants. The reckoning or whatever. <laughs> what is it? The reckoning? <laughs> the revelation? The re- what is it? <laughs> retribution. Retribution. <laughs> yeah, the retribution. That was super catchy, obviously. We definitely remembered it right off yeah. the bat. By June of 2012, Elliot was convinced that if he won the lottery, it would actually keep him from committing any crimes against anyone because he would finally be rich and therefore be desirable to women, like Randy Stare in the coin toss. Or, here's a crazy idea, just, like, ask your dad for some money, maybe. 
<laughs> that's that's what's strange to me about it too is the fact that his family is wealthy. So isn't he kind of wealthy by proxy? Yeah. I don't. I understand that they want him to work for stuff because his dad worked for stuff. Well, I don't know, but his grandfather was that famous photographer too. It's just another excuse. If this doesn't happen, then I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. If they don't want me, then I'm going to do this. If they don't want me, well, you're not going to make an effort though. It's yeah. like, okay, if I sit here and I, <laughs> I don't even know how to compare it to something. If I sit here and I pee my pants, then I'm going to go jump off a cliff. It's like, yeah, well, yeah that's going to happen because you're sitting there forever. Yeah. Like you have to eventually do something <laughs> or else do something you're going to fucking it. pee your pants. Like, <laughs> it's not a very good analogy, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Around this time, Elliot would say, quote, I tried to pretend as if I was part of a wealthy family. I should be. That was the life I was meant to live. I would be. If only my damnable mother had married into wealth instead of being selfish. If only my failure of a father had made better decisions with his directing career instead of wasting his money on that stupid documentary, end quote. Okay. But again, it's like... Everyone else's fault. Yeah. Everyone else's fault. And then he's like, okay, if I don't win the lottery, I'm killing people. Doesn't buy a ticket. Yeah. Well, didn't win the lottery. (laughs) Well, well. seriously. Two out of of three. (laughs) Fuck. Sometime in April, Elliot lost all contact with his best friend, James. He was essentially ghosted by James. And although Elliot attempted multiple times to reach out to James, no conversation was ever had between the two as to why they became estranged. In July, 2012... Elliot was walking through one of his favorite parks. He would often like to people watch in the parks, and he became enraged when he saw a group of young people playing kickball. The boys were, of course, tall, handsome jocks, and the girls attractive blondes. Elliot recollected seeing one of the girls doing handstands and was aroused yet disgusted every time her shirt would fall down, exposing the girl's midriff. Midriff. And you know it's midriff? I didn't know that until today. I thought it was mid-drift. Me too. No, it's a mid-riff. What is midriff? A midriff. But it's spelled like midriff. No, it doesn't have a T. It's double Fs. No, it's... <laughs> Sorry. So- settle down. <laughs> I was angry. <laughs> M-I-D-R-I-F-F. Midriff. No, it's not. It is. My mind was blown. <laughs> what the hell? Her mouth swung open. She was like, wow. <laughs> what? Why isn't it midriff? I don't know. I thought it was midriff. It's a midriff. Midriff derives from mid and a very old word for the belly. For the belly? Yeah. <laughs> for the belly. A riff is a belly? Huh. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. Well, you learned something today. I learned something today. Me too. Cool. I learned a lot today, actually. Hopefully um, everyone yeah. listening to this learned something today also. Elliot decided to drive to the nearest store and purchase a super soaker that he filled with orange juice. He drove back to the park. So the, all this time to think about what he was going to do. Yeah, Drove course. back to the park. And began covering the group with orange juice. And did he get his ass kicked this time? No. What he was actually fuck? kind of above them, if I remember correctly. So they would have to, like... That's, like, the main. He was, like, on a ledge or something. Bad person. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Like a sniper. Ugh. He said, quote, I wish I could have sprayed boiling oil at the foul beasts. They deserve to die horribly, painful deaths, just for the crime of enjoying a better life than me, end quote. Just for living their lives. And he's admitting it. Mm -hmm. You know, I take back what I said earlier. No way he has antisocial personality disorder. No fucking way. He's He's way too involved in these people's lives. It's so true. 
Oh my gosh. Like the anger. Where did this anger come from? I know that he had a rough childhood. I know that his parents split. He had a lot of travel. But arguably, nothing that bad happened to him No, I'd be that angry. I think that he's just completely disconnected. He never had a chance to connect, like, yeah. ever. Because he I was mean, always moved around. That makes sense. He must feel like such isolation from, like, the human race, of, For, if anything. Yeah. yeah. They're all just, like, rats to him, and he's, like, a fucking mad scientist. Dude, this is fucking yeah. wonky. So Elliot would quickly hop in his car and drive away from the scene. He's like, hey, hey, hey they're sticky, and <laughs> they, they have vitamin C in their vitamin bodies C, now. Vitamins. <laughs> I'm sure at first people were like, what the fuck? And then they were like, oh, it's orange juice. Okay, could be worse. <laughs> could be worse. I would be pissed. I hate orange <laughs> juice. Elliot was beginning to be hopeful that he would win the lottery as the Mega Million jackpot rose to $120 million by September of 2012. Okay. Elliot would often meditate, trying to manifest his winning the lottery. He felt like it was his destiny to win the money, thus the world would be saved from his wrath. He walked into a convenience store and purchased a $5 ticket. He would find out later that evening that, of course, he did not win the $120 million. <sighs> Bro, imagine if he did. <laughs> he, we wouldn't be talking about this right he now. He is a he? god. <laughs> he predicted that shit. No, like, deadass. <laughs> no, but honestly, like, all this time that he's been spending thinking mm. about this and writing his manifesto, like, yeah. he could have been working. He could have saved up a sizable amount of money by no. this point. He, I think around this time as well, he was traveling to and from Arizona to also buy tickets in Arizona. Yeah. So you're spending money instead he's, of trying to make money. Instead of trying to make it. Cool. Elliot now moved into his new apartment for the semester, but had yet to gain any roommates. And um, after he realized that he lost, or, or not lost, but did not win. Yeah. <laughs> That's so true. It's not like he, it's he not like he was anything. he didn't lose anything except for his five dollars, except for his five bucks. <laughs> at Plant Therapy, safety and education are at the heart of everything they do. In addition to offering pure, high quality essential oils, natural body care products, and CBD, they want to give you the tools and know how so that you can safely use essential oils. Plant Therapy is also dedicated to giving back to the community, both locally and globally, so they can have as many positive impacts on as many people as possible. Click the link in our show notes today and check out their oil of the month, as well as some free goodies. So again, he was living by himself at this point, and he proceeded to get extremely intoxicated, and he actually started destroying some of his own property, including his laptop. He cried and he screamed into pillows all night long until he cried himself to sleep. But, like, at this point, he felt like his brain was breaking because he had put all of everything that he... He had waited, like, six months for this. And thinking, he's like, it's all going to be worth it because I'm going to win that money and then I can start the rest of my life. I know I've been, like, making some, like, kind of harsh jokes and comments about him, but that's got to really fucking suck. Like genuinely thinking that you are so on the outside from everyone yeah and not having anything in your mind that should prove you otherwise should That's, prove you wrong yeah like it's true we can sit here and say well why don't you just go fucking get a job why can't you just go fucking whatever but he doesn't his brain doesn't think that way his brain only thinks of these linear little storylines that he has. And I don't, again, 
don't want to necessarily blame the parents. Could they have done a bunch of things different? Absolutely. Yeah. But I do think that they kind of missed the mark on making him independent. I feel like his whole young childhood, he was just following in their footsteps, going wherever they needed to go for work, just kind of having whatever he yeah. wanted, all the money he could have. And then when he became an adult, they were like, okay, figure it out. Instead of having him be independent little by little as he was younger growing up, well, then kind of easing him into the real world instead of just throwing him into the real world when he became old enough. But they're not really throwing him either. They're paying for his apartment and shit. He doesn't That's have a job. True. That is true. I mean, this is like them thinking, okay, the next step in a affluent, privileged young man's life is to go to college. That and is go true. live in student housing and go do that, you know? Although he probably thought... In I'm alone. his brain, why should I have to work when I've been given everything my whole life already? Why yeah. can't you just continue giving me everything and anything yeah. I want, right? Right. And they probably thought he wants for nothing, but but that doesn't negate him potentially having, like, a passion of some kind. It just allows the money to be, like, there no for whatever you want. You know, he could have been... He could have had passions like being a drummer or whatever. That's true. So far, his only passion that we see, like, at all, and I probably, I think I might have mentioned it in the last episode that he had a, he had a PC, so he did, like, gaming, mm -hmm. video gaming, and he was always, he always liked video games, but his other passion was, like, Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. So he was really, like, into fantasy, D&D, &D, you know, World of Warcraft, stuff like that as well. So he was also just a really nerdy guy, too, you know? Yeah, I don't know. And I, it's, it's hard because you don't really know who to blame in this instance like mm -hmm. you want to blame him you kind of want to blame the parents at least me yeah maybe nature i don't know it's just it just feels like there's not enough that went wrong to create this yeah in my opinion so now elliot roger is a 21 year old virgin who has never been kissed he was not a billionaire he was barely making it through school and elliot decided that his new thing that he would get into would be guns so he started visiting gun ranges and eventually would purchase a Glock 34 semi-automatic pistol by December 2012. During this time, Elliot was actually seeing psychiatrist Dr. Charles Sophie. Hmm. You know that name? I do. Yeah, from Dr. Phil. From Dr. Phil. Yeah. I was going to say that. That was Elliot's psychiatrist. Yikes. Isn't that inc That's kind of, I don't know, I thought that was kind of cool. It's like, no. hey, everybody knows Dr. Sophie. That's pretty dope, but everyone also knows Elliot Roger, yeah. not for yeah. good things. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. His parents were the ones that arranged this after some discussion with Elliot about his depression. Oh. So they sort of knew what was going on, but again, he's in Santa Barbara. They didn't really have him around all the time, but this was after a very lengthy phone conversation between his mom and Elliot. Okay. Nevertheless, a Sig Sauer P226 was purchased the following spring, 2013, and Elliot described this gun to be more efficient in acting out his day of retribution. So he still had plans to go through this. Okay. Did he tell Dr. Sophie about any of this that you know of? I know it's all privileged information. But... I don't think so. Elliot also found a website that was dedicated to discussing and supporting the ideas that women were evil and vile. That they are uh, essentially put on this earth to ruin men. Thank you. Um, or create men. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> However you want to see it. I mean, However whatever. you want to see it. You know, whatever. You know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. I mean, you wouldn't fucking be here. <laughs> whatever. He did begin to fall down a rabbit hole that has since been dubbed the Manosphere, right? So he found on, fell down this wealth of information, apparently. Mm -hmm. No pun intended. So the Manosphere is a collection of websites, blogs, and online forums promoted, 
promoting masculinity, misogyny, and the opposition to feminism. The manosphere overlaps with the far-right and alt-right communities. It has also been associated with online harassment and has been implicated in radicalizing men into misogynistic beliefs and glorifying the violence against women. So these are, like, real gents. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually a part of that organization. In, oh, in, in disguise. <laughs> in disguise. <laughs> the in manosphere. Disguise. <laughs> in disguise. Yeah, so these are real stand-up gents, uh, yeah. real gentlemen. You know, I, I bet they hold the door for you. Real nice so. folks. Yeah. In July of 2013, Elliot made it a point to work out every day for two weeks straight and then attend an upcoming party. He's like, I'm going to work out for like two fucking weeks. I'm going to be so buff. I'm going to be so buff before this party in two weeks. When was said party? Uh, July 20th. Shit. This is a few days before his 22nd birthday. That's my best friend's birthday. Oh. Yeah. Elliot got shwasty before attending this party he was so nervous, he went in thinking that this may be the night that he may lose his virginity. So he got really drunk because we all know that works. Well, yeah, and he's, like, super <laughs> swole now. Yeah, he's super so swole. He's just gonna he can handle his vodka. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Heard. He, I, I found this really funny, um, so I put it in here. He calls beer pong, quote, a crude drinking game. Like, you're so above beer pong. I still like, fuck with beer pong. Lighten <laughs> like, up. <today. laughs> you know yeah. what, I mean? what did beer pong do to you? Yeah. Calm down. It's so crude. Oh my the, god, how dare them. How I'm just gonna get dare. wasted. But the people that are actually trying to enjoy their time are <laughs> and, so crude. And pace themselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Elliot shows up and expects people to just start talking to him. So he was doing his favorite thing. He was watching people and he was stewing, right? Yeah, he's becoming enraged. Cross-armed in the corner. He noticed an Asian man talking to a white girl, and this absolutely enraged Elliot. Mm -hmm. He felt that he was superior because at least he was half Asian, therefore making it more sense that this white girl would be more attracted to him than this Asian man. Okay. Yeah. He called himself Eurasian. He was like, oh, I'm Eurasian. I'm exotic. His previous statements don't really align with me. Yeah. With that. (laughs) Well, he's just just a racist piece of shit. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He, I, like... I, it's, he thinks that white people are superior. He, he wants to be white, essentially. Okay. To, you know what I mean? Just in the way that he thinks that he's portraying himself. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. I, okay. He just just wishes, (laughs) he just wishes he was white so that he could attract white women. But it's like, it's the quality of the person. It has nothing to do with... With that. Nothing to do. Maybe so it's he's because a- you're an asshole and you're standing in the fucking corner of the fucking party judging people. You've got a sourpuss look on your face. You're wasted. You're wasted. <laughs> you can barely stand up. Maybe that's why nobody wants to talk to you. <laughs> so like, they're fucking pissing me. <laughs> fucking pissing me out. Cross-eyed. Ugh. So he walked past the two in order to get inside and go out to the front of the house. He essentially shoulder-checked the guy and said something under his breath, potentially a slur, although he didn't specify that in his manifesto, but he essentially had said, he said something that was very offensive. Of course he didn't say what he said in the he manifesto, didn't say what he because said. he wanted to be like, wow, if that guy kicked his ass, he wanted to be like, well, this guy kicked my ass, I didn't even say anything. Yeah. He wanted course. it to be that guy's fault. Yeah. So, uh, the guy didn't do anything, though, it wasn't an altercation. I bet that's pissing him off even more that no one's that doing no anything. That no one said anything. They're like, oh, they're just whatever, like, whatever, that, whatever, guy's that, guy's, <laughs> that guy's just drunk. Uh, oh. Leave him alone, it's not worth it. Yeah, it's time for him to go home, he's it's, drunk. Yeah, it's only nine o'clock. 
Elliot found a secluded ledge on the property, and this ledge kind of fell down into the street, but it was like, kind of had a bit of a view of the rest of the party, if that kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. So he sat there, of course, and he's stewing, and he's just being solo dolo and just being mopey, when all of a sudden a group of girls and guys kind of came over to this ledge as well, and because, I mean, it was a nice view, and it's kind of secluded. And he doesn't own the place, so he can't tell anybody where Exactly. And he's just like, guys, can't you just tell him I'm having a moment by myself right now? They're in my spot. They're in my spot. <laughs> I claimed this. <laughs> this is mine. <laughs> he, like, spreads out, like, all the way. Yeah, just starts laying down. Please do not. Can't sit here. <laughs> so the group started laughing, dancing, just having fun. They're at a fucking party. Elliot's rage grew even more. He stood up and attempted to start shoving the girls and some of the guys off of the ledge. Like off of the ledge. off of the ledge. And it's not it's not a it's not a very short distance, let's yeah. say that. It's at least like a story of a house. Okay. It's it's a pretty big fall. Elliot essentially um was unsuccessful in this attempt. <laughs> And in fact, was eventually pushed off the ledge himself by one of the other party party goers. Yeah, that's kind of hilarious. <laughs> he fell and would um, snap his ankle. He would break his leg. <laughs> not to laugh. But it's not funny. But it's not. It's like, well, but it's like, what are you? What are you going to do to someone that's trying to push you? Push off? You're going to push them gonna, off. Yeah, it's like you know. I mean, it's not like it's like into a pool or anything. But yeah. just just that. I'm sure it's like. <laughs> That's all I could think of. It's him falling and just crack. Dana told me about this meme that she saw the other day, and it was like, this summer I'm not fucking around. If anybody pushes me in the pool, I'm just not coming back up. Enjoy your murder charge, you <laughs> asshole. I'm just not coming back up. I'm, just, I'm gonna scare everyone at that party. Enjoy your murder charge. <sighs> so Elliot tried to stumble away, but of course he realized his leg's broken, which is hor- horrific. I... <laughs> ugh. So he finally reached his car, but when he reached his car, he realized that he left his sunglasses behind. Gucci, of course. His just mom had bought them. Just hobble back over there. And just gotta hobble back over. He was so drunk that he actually mis- mistook the house next door to the party house as being where his sunglasses were. Okay. But th- there were also partygoers that lived in that house, so oh, it's not like, like they the weren't fuck? a separate, totally separate thing. It's not like yeah. in a neighborhood. Because this is, of course, a college town, so there's tons of college kids. It's like this quiet-ass, dark house, like, next to it, and then this house is, like, all lit up and bumping. He, like, goes up to this like, quiet house. <laughs> to the witch house? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's a witch I, that lives there. My glasses gotta be around here somewhere. <laughs> Where's my glasses? I can't see a thing without my glasses. <laughs> It's also at night. Yeah. How do you remember your sunglasses when you're about to drive? Because he wears night. his sunglasses at night. I Duh. So. <laughs> so he was so drunk, he began berating anyone that was, like, at the house, even though I think that they probably all knew each other. Yeah. And either way, either he said one too many things or the party where he was shoving people, it either it got around. Yeah. Either way, um, a group of the guys began to beat the shit out of Elliot, essentially. Because so he... Was- he- was probably like, fuck you, motherfuckers, you took my sunglasses and you pushed me off the ledge. Or whatever. Yeah, and then my fucking ankle's broken and, and I gotta tell like, my mom. No, yeah. it was you. It yeah. was, you were being the dickhead. Elliot began to swing back, landing a few punches, but this only fueled the mob more. Not only did he not get his Gucci sunglasses that his mom bought him, but he also lost the gold necklace that his ama had bought him just a few months before that. Oh, that's kind of sad. I know. Elliot would be on crutches for at least six weeks, and he would also require surgery to fix his ankle. No, that'll get him some attention. 
Well, this only depressed the fuck out of Elliot even more. Because he's like, who's going to want to date a cripple? Is what he was saying. Oh, He said that. I didn't say that. He said that in the manifesto. fucking did. That no one wanted to date a cripple, is what he said. False. He's not crippled. He's he's on crutches for six weeks. You're temporarily on crutches. You're temporarily on crutches. Yeah, exactly. You're not disabled. Gosh. Elliot realized that the day of his retribution would have to be postponed. <laughs> I mean, yeah, what is he going to do on crutches? <laughs> Get on up there really quick. <laughs> I can laugh because I was on crutches for six weeks and it fucking sucked. A session that Elliot would have with Dr. Sophie brought more frustration for Elliot. Recently, Lin- Lee Chen and Samaya had had an argument, and Samaya showed up to the counseling session between Lee Chen, Peter, and Elliot. So she was like, I'm going. The three of you have family counseling. I'm going. That's not how that works. That's how uh, Samaya thinks it works. Insurance doesn't work yeah. like that. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. <sighs> Elliot said about this session, quote, for more than half of the conversation, the doctor spent time resolving this petty conflict instead of addressing the troubles that I was going through. When we finally did get to my session, Dr. Sylvie ended up giving me the same useless advice that every other psychiatrist, psychologist, and counselor had given me in the past. I don't know why my parents wasted money on therapy, as if it would never help me in my struggles against such a cruel and unjust world. The doctor ended up dismissing it by prescribing me a controversial medication, respiridon, or respiridone. After researching this medication, I found that it was absolutely wrong for me to take. I refused to take it, and I never saw Dr. Sophie again after that. End quote. Because you're a doctor, right? Because you can decide that? Apparently. Okay, now I don't feel so bad for Dr. Sophie. I don't feel bad for Dr. Sophie. Because he wasn't, like, actively giving him therapy when this whole thing went down. I mean, I mean, I, I get how Elliot must have felt like, okay, these are my sessions to figure out my shit, and they're gonna try to figure out my stepmom and my mom's issues absolutely i completely get that yeah but i don't i don't get the first of all i don't get that he's giving me the same useless advice well yeah it's not gonna work with that attitude second of all you're looking up a medication and deciding for yourself if it's gonna work are you a psychiatrist right exactly (laughs) so webmd says that risperidone is used to treat certain medical disorders or mood disorders such as schizophrenia bipolar disorder and irritability associated with autism spectrum disorder wow he didn't like that Respiridone belongs to a class of drugs called an atypical antipsychotic. So he, that's probably exactly what it was. He's like, oh, he's trying to call me crazy. I'm not crazy. Or he thinks I'm autistic and I'm not. Or, or I'm schizophrenic or, or whatever. Schizophrenic. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's, that's exactly why. But like here, here we are again for the millionth fucking time, not even giving it a chance, blaming someone else. Yeah. Like absolutely. it's a fucking cycle. By September, Elliot had thoughts of killing his little brother and Samaya but decided that it might be too risky because he would hate to have to kill his father as well. So at first, Elliot decided to take advantage of his father's busy schedule and planned on killing the two while Peter was out of town. Two new roommates, James Hong and David Wang, would move into Elliot's arranged student housing. He hated the two men and said, quote, These are the biggest nerds I've ever seen, and they're also both very ugly with annoying voices, end quote. Would you rather than be, like, hot jocks? And, quote, I knew that when the day of retribution came, I would have to kill my housemates to get them out of the way. If they were pleasant to live with, I would regret having to kill them. But due to their behavior, I now have no regrets about such a prospect. In fact, I'd even enjoy stabbing them both to death while they slept, end quote. Yeah, I remember that. That's really shitty. Ugh, that's awful. And these poor guys, they're, they're just they college just kids. They just placed there randomly. Randomly. 
I had two random roommates in college. Neither one of them ever killed me. (laughs) (laughs) But who knows? Who knows? Who knows what could have been? God, that's so scary. Lee Chen would buy Elliot his prized black BMW later that year of 2013. He felt that this car was one that he had always deserved. For what? For doing what? Just being alive. Nothing. It was his, it was his namesake. It was his whatever. Yeah. Yeah. He did the life that he deserves to have. Mm -hmm. Like deserve. I deserve to have it. I'm entitled to this life. Yeah. Entitled is way better than I deserve because deserve means that you, it kind of implies that you worked for something. Yeah. Elliot went back to planning his rampage after the winter break and in January began toying with the idea of committing it on Valentine's Day. Mm Mm-hmm. He was worried that although restaurants would be busy, there might be tighter security and more cops around the college town that evening, since people were probably going to be drinking and out and things like that. Okay. So he decided to set the date of Saturday, April 26, 2014, because he also said he needed more time to plan. He was like, I need more time to plan. So not Valentine's Day. Not Valentine's Day. Okay. Not even close. I was like, (laughs) what the fuck? Because Valentine's Day will be too crazy. How about Labor Day? (laughs) way fucking far away. (laughs) Elliot would purchase a third handgun, more ammunition, and various knives. Elliot's plan is as follows. Bear with me, everyone. Quote, On the day before the day of retribution, I will start the first phase of my vengeance, silently killing as many people as I can around Isla Vista by luring them into my apartment through some form of trickery. He wasn't sure what yet, just some form of trickery. (laughs) Is it not Isla Vista? Isla Vista? Isla Vista? Either way. Okay. Anyway. The first people I would have to kill are my two housemates to secure the entire apartment for myself as my personal torture and killing chamber. After that, I will start luring people into my apartment, knock them out with a hammer, and slit their throats. I will torture some of the good-looking people before I kill them, assuming that it is the good-looking ones that had the best sex lives. All of that pleasure that they had in life, I will punish by bringing them pain and suffering. I have lived a life of pain and suffering, and it was time to bring that pain to people who actually deserve it. I will cut them, flay them, strip all the skin off their flesh, and pour boiling water all over them while they're still alive, as well as any form of torture I can possibly think of. When they are dead, I will behead them and keep their heads in a bag, for their heads will play a major role in the final phase." This first phase will represent my vengeance against all of the men who have had pleasurable sex lives while I've had to suffer. Things will be fair once I make them suffer as I did. I will finally even the score. The second phase will take place on the day of retribution itself, just before the climactic massacre. The second phase will represent my war on women. I will punish all females for the crime of depriving me of sex. They have starved me of sex for my entire youth and gave that pleasure to other men. In doing so, they took many years of my life away. I cannot kill every single female on earth, but I can deliver a devastating blow that will shake all of them to their core of their wicked hearts. I will attack the very girls who represent everything I hate in the female gender, the hottest sorority of UCSB. After doing a lot of extensive research within the last year, I found that the sorority with the most beautiful girls is Alpha Phi. I know exactly where their house is, and I've sat outside in my car to stalk them many times. Alpha Phi sorority is full of hot, beautiful, blonde girls, the kind of girls I've always desired but was never able to have because all, all of them looked down on me. 
They're all spoiled, heartless, wicked bitches. They think that they are superior to me, and if I ever tried to ask one out on a date, they would reject me cruelly. I will sneak into their house around 9 p.m. on the day of retribution, just before all of the parties are starting, and slaughter every single one of them with my guns and knives. If I have time, I will set their whole house on fire. Then we shall see who the superior one really is. The final phase of the Day of Retribution will be my ultimate showdown in the streets of Ila Vista. On the morning before, I will drive down to my father's house to kill my little brother, denying him of a chance to grow up to surpass me, along with my stepmother, Samaya, as she will be in the way as well. My father will be away on one of his business trips, so thankfully I won't have to deal with him. If he doesn't go away on that trip, I might even have to postpone the whole plan because of fear that I might hesitate if I have to kill him. Once I've taken care of my brother and my stepmother, I will switch over to the Mercedes SUV and drive it back to Ila Vista. I will use it as one of my killing, killing machines against my enemies. An SUV will cause a lot more damage than my BMW coupe. After I have killed all of the sorority girls at Alpha Phi House, I will quickly get into the SUV before the police arrive, assuming that they would arrive within three minutes. I will then make my way to Del Playa, splattering as many of my enemies as I can with the SUV, and shooting anyone I don't splatter. I can only imagine how sweet it will be to ram the SUV into all those groups of popular young people who have always witnessed, I've always witnessed, walking right in the middle of the road as if they were better than anyone else. They are in writhing pain, their bodies broken and dying after I splatter them. They will fully realize their crimes. Once I reach Del Playa Street, I will dump the bag of severed heads I have saved from my previous victims, proclaiming to everyone how much I've made them all suffer. Once they see all of their friends' heads rolling onto the street, everyone will, f will fear me as the powerful god that I am. I will then start massacring everyone on Del Playa Street. I will pull up next to a house party and fire bullets at everyone partying in the front yard. I will specifically target the good-looking people and all of the couples. After I have destroyed a house party, I will continue down Del Playa, destroying everything and everyone. When I see the first police car come to their rescue, I will drive away as fast as I can, shooting and ramming anyone in my path until I find a suitable place to finally end my life. To end my life, I will quickly swallow all of the Xanax and Vicodin pills I have left, along with an ample amount of hard liquor. Immediately after imbibing this mixture, I will shoot myself in the head with two of my handguns simultaneously. If the gunshots don't kill me, the deadly drug mixture eventually will. I will not suffer being captured and sent to prison. I must plan this very efficiently. Nothing can go wrong. It needs to be perfect. This is now my sole purpose on this world. My plans will come to fruition, and I mustn't let anyone stop me, end quote. Huh. That was a lot. Sorry. There is so many things wrong with that whole quote. I'll say. The first thing being, how are you going to lure people into your fucking house when clearly, according to you, no one will even knock to you? Mm -hmm. So, wrong already. Yeah. Second of all, um, I am not feared. You said all women would be feared from what you're doing? <laughs> nope, not me. Sorry, you mm -hmm. missed one. Um, also, how does he think he's gonna get away with all of these things simultaneously before the cops get there? There is literally no way he could do all of that. And I mean, then still have time to kill himself. It's like, also part of the delusion, part of the fantasy. I know it is. I'm know? sorry. I'm just, th I'm really thinking of it logistically. Yeah, no. It, well, he's not, so. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> and 
the, I'm sorry, like, he literally went from, woe is me, no one will talk to me, to, like, the biggest criminal mastermind, like, eviscerating bodies and decapitating people. There's no fucking way he would actually do that. You know where there's a lot of decapitation? Game of Thrones. Yeah, exactly. You know? He doesn't, I don't, obviously it's a delusion. He clearly doesn't realize the amount of strength, mental strength and physical strength that takes. To, like, there's skin no bodies and boil them and all this stuff. I mean, yeah. And yeah. the fact that he thinks someone's still going to be alive after he skins them the whole, holy, <laughs> wrong. Yeah. Okay, sorry, go Again, ahead. it's just, it's just a bunch of spewed out bullshit. It's, no wonder the manifesto was fucking long as shit. It's very long. Elliot then began to record YouTube videos and upload them. These videos were him explaining his hurt feelings towards men and women and how he was to enact revenge on them. Essentially, he was saying that something big was to come. Mm -hmm. So after these were uploaded a few days before the crime was to take place, it was like the 24th or something. So he uploaded these like a few days before he was supposed to commit this crime. Great. And no one said anything. Elliot began to get sick and he had decided to postpone his date until May 24th. About a week after the uploads, Elliot answered his front door and was surprised that seven police officers were knocking on the door. (laughs) Oh, weird. His own mother had seen the videos and had asked for a welfare check on Elliot. Mm -hmm. After talking for some time, the police left. They never once checked his room. Had they, they would have found manifestos, journals, writings of all various kinds, guns, knives, ammunition, a bunch of shit. Yeah. Everything that he would potentially use. But they didn't. Of course not. On the evening of May 23rd, 2014. Okay, now he's he's no longer Elliot. He's Roger, okay? Okay. Elliot Roger. Okay, he's Roger. Roger began his crimes. He killed James Hong first, then after some time, his second roommate, David Wang. A friend of the two arrived sometimes later. His name was George Chen. Roger would end up stabbing George 94 times. I forgot about that. 94 times. It is unclear how far apart the men were killed from the last one, but what we do know is that it appeared that Roger had tried to clean up after each crime so that each victim would not be suspicious whenever they would arrive home or arrive to the apartment. So he was essentially trying to enact that first part of his plan where he would try to kill as many people as possible coming into the apartment. By 8 p.m. that night on the 23rd, Roger was seen at a local Starbucks where he ordered his usual latte. This is after killing three people. Yeah, just casual. Around 8.30 p.m., witnesses saw him sitting in his car on his laptop. His mom had essentially replaced the one that he had destroyed previously, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like, he was like, oh, I don't know what happened to my computer. It just stopped working. What happened after to it again? He destroyed it when he was drunk. Oh, yeah. I think he actually spilled something on it. But either way, it was in this fit of rage he mm-hmm. was having. By 9.17 p.m., Roger uploaded his last YouTube video titled Retribution. And at 9.18, he sent out his manifesto email to multiple people, including Dr. Sophie. Dang. Dr. Sophie saw the email and immediately phoned Lee Chen and Peter, saying that Roger was in immediate danger and they needed to head to Santa Barbara. Oh my god, I didn't know about that. That's so scary. Imagine (laughs) getting that email. Imagine getting that phone call. Yeah. And apparently he did also send it to his parents as well. I think some old high school friends, I think maybe even Maddie, James, mm-hmm. Philip. The two parents would each call police and both travel separately to Santa Barbara from Los Angeles. 
Roger, with his black BMW packed full of supplies, headed down to the Alpha Phi sorority house. Roger began banging on the front door, but the knocks were so loud and aggressive that the occupants inside knew that something wasn't right, so they did not answer the door. Yeah, what the fuck? Way yeah. to blow your cover. I mean, good thing he did. But no, like... yeah. Well, good on those girls, too, for being really yeah. smart. So no one answered the door that night, and this only, of course, fueled Roger's rage. He saw a few girls from another sorority outside near the Alpha Phi house. He began firing, striking Catherine Cooper, 22, and Veronica Weiss, 19. An additional young woman was hit, Bianca DeCock, but she would survive her wounds, unlike Catherine and Veronica. Damn. Roger sped off in his BMW, trying to look for his next target. He took aim at a coffee shop, but thankfully it was unoccupied at the time. So now it's like, screw the plan, anybody that I see. Anybody I see, yeah. He continued driving until he got to the Ivy Deli, getting out of his car and opening fire at the store. Opening fire? Opening fire? Yeah, that makes sense. Does it? Mm-hmm. Like, I opened fire? Yeah. He opened fire. Yeah. (laughs) He was shooting indiscriminately until he caught Christopher Martinez with a single shot. He began to take aim, and he killed the man as he tried to enter the doorway of the deli. Roger fled the scene, shooting out his window at unsuspecting pedestrians. Roger saw bicyclist Jen Fu traveling down the opposite direction of himself and chose to swerve into oncoming traffic and hit the cyclist head-on. Was his car? Yeah, with his vehicle. Jen Fu miraculously would only suffer minor injuries from this. Dude, these poor fucking people are just yeah. going about their night. That one guy just wanted a sandwich. This lady's just on a bike ride. Yeah, like, absolutely. Or it was a guy. I said that one guy. Jen Fu? You said this lady was just on a bike ride. Jen? Jen? J-E-N. J-I-N. Oh, Jen. I was like, <laughs> did you not say no, Jen? Jen. <laughs> this person was on yes. a bike. This man. He was a man. Damn. Roger would continue to shoot randomly at pedestrians as well as swerving into, in an effort to run people over. Mm-hmm. Roger shot at a pizza place, injuring Aaron Zaglin and Bailey Maples, who were sitting inside the pizza place. Once on, oh, bear with me, El Encabarero Drive, Ooh, Ooh. There you go. Roger shot and wounded Megan Carlotto, Serena Schwartz, and Deputy Marquise who was also returning fire at the time. Deputy would return fire. Because he's just going down the... I mean, you can hear it, because this is all within blocks of each other. He's just driving down the road. Multiple people are calling. Like, he's oh, right I'm here. Sure. He's right here. Unfortunately, this did not stop Roger, as he was not struck by any of the deputies of gunfire. On Del Playa Drive, Roger struck two young men walking on the sidewalk with his car. Patrick Egert, 19, and Nick... I think it's... Paschuk? 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 Paschuk. Nick Paschuk. He was also 19. Turning on to Camino del Sur, he was 19 at the time. They would both survive, my bad. Turning on to Camino del Sur, Christopher Hoang would be shot three times and survive this attack. Damn. Sabado Tarde is where Roger would strike Victor Garcia with his car, attempt to run over Aaron, I think it's Sengupta? He would strike Mitchell Labirsky, strike Elliot Gee, shoot Matthew Smith three times. <laughs> Shoot Anthony, I think it's Churchang. I'm going to keep saying I think. Um, Anthony Churchang, four times. Attempt to shoot Alexander Cardane and have a shootout with at least four police officers when circling back on Del Playa Drive. Damn. So when he circled back on Del Playa, this is where Roger would um, essentially be struck in the hip by gunfire. 
He would attempt to take the life of 21-year-old Keith Cheung by striking him with his vehicle in an effort to pin the man between his vehicle and a parked car. Oh my gosh, ow. Keith would survive. However, Roger's reign of terror would come to an end. After striking the parked car, the BMW was no longer operable. And there, in this car that his mother bought him, Elliot Roger would take his own life by self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. He was pronounced dead at 9.35, just 17 minutes after he sent the email. Holy shit. All that in 17 minutes. Damn. And his manifesto, it sounded like it was going to take hours for his whole plan to come to fruition. Well, I think it would have because he was going to sneak into the the Alpha Phi sorority. Yeah. Oh, that's true. By like nine. And then he was going to like slaughter them all. But he also had gauged it to be only three minutes that he would commit this crime because he said the cops would be there in three minutes and then he would Yeah, take off. but he sent the email after he killed his two roommates and the third guy, correct? Yeah. Okay, so after that, he sent the email. Right. Okay. At 9.18. But his original plan, he yeah, wanted to be yeah, yeah. at the, yeah, at the sorority house. But he thought he was probably going to be there for at least an extra few minutes. He yeah, didn't, It yeah, wasn't going to be, sure. like, method- like, an hour long. Damn, that's wild. As Peter and Lee Chen approached their son's apartment, they were receiving news reports of an active shooter in the Santa Barbara area, a shooter driving a black BMW. Oh, no. Peter had been frantically calling his son's phone the entire trip with no answer. Police advised the parents that the ID that had been found in the pocket of the perpetrator, and of course, it matched their son's ID. Mm-hmm. They learned that their son's crime and of what he had done and of his death. The bodies of Wang, Chen, and Hong would not be found until the following day as investigators were going to go to his apartment to collect evidence, so they had no idea. Oh my gosh, that's so awful. Through more investigating, it was determined that Elliot Roger did in fact have a diagnosis that maybe some of our listeners might not expect. Elliot Roger, in 2007, had been diagnosed with pervasive developmental disorder, which is now under the autism spectrum disorder blanket that we know now today. And probably why he got prescribed the medication that he did, that he refused to take. Because it was for irritability with autism spectrum disorder. Then, in 2007, the signs and symptoms of PDD, or atypical autism criteria, much like Asperger's at the time, were these signs or symptoms. Communication difficulties, i.e. using and understanding language, difficulty with social behavior, uneven skill development, strengths in some areas while having delays in others, unusual play with toys or other objects, repetitive body movement or behavior patterns, preoccupation with fantasies that interfere and that are not normal to have at a certain age depending on social, cultural, and religious norms, Mm -hmm. unconventional perception of the world, and maladaptive daydreaming, excessive daydreaming interfering with daily life. Wow. So it is still technically part of the ICD-10, which is a med- more medical usage instead of psychiatric, um, like the DSM-5 is. Mm-hmm. So, But this did used to be in the DSM-4. Huh. It's just now under autism spectrum. Wow. Yeah. So what? earlier in the episode, I did mention that my thoughts about his sexuality and maybe what was going on there. I was just going to say really quick, sorry, before you get into that, Yeah. on the last note, it sounds like Dr. Sophie knew what the fuck he was talking about, yeah. as he usually does. Yeah, for <laughs> That's sure. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> Dr. Sophie, if you're listening, we love you. And he's bae. He's bae. <laughs> so again, earlier in the episode, I did mention my thoughts about his sexuality a little bit, and I think that, I don't think he really knew what it meant to have a sexuality. Sounds I think like that his potential autism diagnosis allowed him to fixate on women, much like some people on the autism spectrum um, disorder kind of category that they 
usually fixate on one thing or another. Um, you know, I do know kiddos that fixate on dinosaurs or cars or colors or there's that one kid on TikTok that does the fonts. Yeah. Oh my so, gosh, I love I love that kid. Those. Yeah. So again, I think that his fixation was just women. Yeah. And a lot of it when he talks about women is not he just all he can say over and over and over again is I want a tall blonde. I want a tall blonde. I want a beautiful tall blonde. Not, I want somebody who cares about me. I want somebody who um, can listen to me or understand me. I want, you know, it, it, things that you would normally say that you would want in a partner. That didn't matter to him. And I think it's because he looked at women as an object. Physically, and I, yeah. Yeah, as an object. Like, they are all in one, like, category. They're all one entity, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. And I think that's why... Um, like I said, I think it has to do with, with a, a potential autism diagnosis. I agree. Yeah, completely. And honestly, like, it almost sounded like he may be asexual at the beginning. Yeah. But now that you explained it like that, it makes a little bit more sense yeah. to me. Yeah. I don't think I he really agree. knew what a, what sexuality really was. Yeah, I agree. I don't, yeah, I think it, yeah. Interesting. Interesting stuff. Ooh, wow. So the last uh, little bit in his manifesto, if anybody's interested. Yeah, yeah of course. That's why they're listening this far. <laughs> Quote, all I ever wanted was to love women and in turn to be loved by them back. Their behavior towards me has only earned my hatred and rightfully so. I am the true victim in all of this. I am the good guy. Humanity struck me at first by condemning me to experience so much suffering. I didn't ask for this. I didn't want this. I didn't start this war. I wasn't the one who struck first, but I will finish by striking back. I will punish everyone and it will be beautiful. Finally, at long last, I can show the world my true worth. End quote. Damn. Right? That's heavy. It's real heavy. He poured his entire soul into making this manifesto. And I had not really touched on it in the first episode, but his writings were so... It was so repetitive. It was so repetitive that Many times, I would be very interested to see if anybody's done the research to see how many times he repeated himself. And it just shows the, I feel like mania at some points. I feel like he's also struggling to understand it himself. And he thinks if he says it aloud as many times as he possibly can, then it'll just click for him. It's It's very interesting. And it's definitely... It's definitely high school level, too. You can tell in the writing. It's not... He portrayed himself as such a, you know, this intelligent... You watch videos of this guy, and to me, there's no... He's like an anime villain. That's the best way I can describe it. He looks like an anime villain. He's like, once I get my revenge on you, kind of speech pattern. Well, he does the whole sex with the girl that kind of thing Six. yeah like the anime kind yeah of portray people when people portray it in real right. life it would be really interesting if his nose started bleeding um and, <laughs> um i was gonna say i do think a lot of it is lack of a social foundation or lack of social cues mm -hmm. social understanding and i think that's where a lot of it comes from he takes everything so personally because he doesn't get that people have their own little clicks or understanding of each other or yeah. whatever. If they're laughing next to him, he automatically takes it personally and thinks it's about him. 
when one of them might have just farted or something, and that's why they're laughing, right. or whatever. It could be yeah. something completely innocent, and the fact that he immediately takes offense to it, like, it has to do with him. Mm-hmm. And I was saying all episode, like, he's so narcissistic, like, it's, it's not all about you, blah, 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 but in his mind, it probably was all about him because he didn't get the social construct of, like, other people's relationships, because yeah. he didn't know how to have... He didn't have that with anybody else, so he didn't understand it with other people, especially, like, relationships, like, boy and girl, or whoever, Mm -hmm. couple relationships. Yeah. And that's probably what made him so angry, is that he didn't understand how to do that for himself. And I, you know, we can talk shit, like we said, all day. We can talk shit about, well, why don't you just go fucking do it? He didn't know how. He didn't know. know? He was never taught. He never felt like it was something that... I don't know. I also think about Peter, too, because Peter did go on ABC or Dateline or whatever it was and talk about Elliot and that he had always just said he was just a different child. He was just different. And it's like the way that Peter speaks about Elliot is almost like, yeah, he's different, but there's nothing wrong with him. But it wasn't like in a way that's of a father being supportive of a son. It's like, we had the perfect family, and he was perfect, and it's that mentality, Almost and you like say that Jose all the time. Menendez. Yeah, exactly. And just completely and, ignores that there might be something going on right. that needs a little bit more attention. Exactly. And it's like, no, I mean, well, he has everything laid at his feet, and it just doesn't make any sense to me that... Yeah. Why Why would there be something wrong? I've, I've done everything for him. He's, yeah. he's never wanted for anything. Yes. But that's a mindset, and that's... Another reason why we're doing this podcast is to educate people on, yeah, you could have everything that you need physically, but sometimes people need a little bit of extra help yeah. when when it comes to their mental health. I, I mean, and I don't know if when he stopped taking the medication, he just stopped taking it when he was in Santa Barbara and he was telling his parents that he was taking the medication. The one that Dr. Sophie prescribed? Yeah. I was under the understanding that he never took it at all. Oh, I don't know. I think he, I don't know. I don't remember. I think he did. I, I don't know. What, I thought he what I thought is that he never even bit. took it. I thought he was doing it for a little bit, and then he just decided to stop. I don't know. But either way. Either way, if the parents, you know, knew that their child should be prescribed this, especially from somebody like Dr. Sophie. Yeah. Somebody who's, like, famous, you know? I yeah. mean, a world-famous Beverly Hills psychiatrist and helps many people. And yeah. um, you would think they would take his advice. Well, it's really unfortunate. <sighs> it is. It's a long story. Thank you guys so much for listening. I know it's kind of harsh to listen to that. And again, you know, we did talk about throughout the whole episode that he sounds so narcissistic and we're kind of putting that out there. But I do feel like a lot of this narcissism didn't come from... I don't know where... I don't know. I think it's just he was telling himself things to make himself feel better about all of this disconnect he was having with humans and why why must that be a thing well it must be a thing because i'm a god because that would make noise because i am the only person that feels like this and i haven't met a single other person that feels like this i must be a god yeah or people are you know specifically how can they i'm going to tell myself that i'm beautiful because if i tell myself that i'm beautiful maybe i'll feel that way about myself Mm -hmm. and he was just way more vocal about it and i don't know if it was necessarily narcissism i think that it was just a coping mechanism yeah in a way Absolutely. And just to pepper in something else as well, like, I know it's super easy to kind of do, like, what I was guilty of doing, especially in the beginning of this, you know, part two, like, kind of making, like, off-putting comments, like, ah, like, he's, you know, acting like this way, oh, okay, you know, blah, 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 you know, yeah. whatever. And that's just my, you know, reaction to well, the story. it's easy to make light. Exactly. Make light. Um, what's not so easy is having conversations like we're having right now, where we really kind of talk about 
empathy and things like that. And I actually wanted to just pepper in a quote from Maya Angelou. She says, do what you can until you know better, then do better. Yeah. And I really like that. So that's what I, like I said earlier, we're just really wanting to educate what it means to be different. Like his dad said, to yeah. be, have a different mindset. And, you know, a lot of people in this story, not that they're at fault, but even like that friend that kind of poked fun at Elliot for being mm-hmm. a virgin, like, let's try not to do that because you never know what someone's going through yeah. internally, like what demons are battling with their inner monologue or their inner self. Yeah. And it's really, it's really unfortunate, but it, yeah, it was definitely yeah. interesting to read like his story in general. And if anybody wants to go out there and read it, you definitely can. Um, but I think one of the only people that Elliot really, really cared for was his friend James. And it's because they did talk about, you know, not just video games and stuff like that, that they were always playing video games together, but that, um, James and him had lengthy conversations about sex and being with girls or not being with girls and, and what that meant for them. And I feel like James was probably one of the only people that Elliot felt really connected to. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of really sad to hear that they kind of had a falling out in the last year that they were friends. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I hope he's doing well. Damn. Sound like he, Elliot was a really good friend to him or he was a really good friend to Elliot. So, well, thanks for, uh, bringing that story. (gasps) That is wild. And that was a true two-parter. That was a true two-parter. It wasn't like 30 minutes and then 30 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) True two-parter. Thank you guys (sighs) for sticking with us. And we hope that you learned a lot during these last two episodes. Thanks for waiting a week with me. Midriff was. We did learn what a midriff is. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It sounds like a riff, like a. Yeah. A midriff. Like a (laughs) midriff. Well, we will see you guys, I guess, next week with another mental breakdown. Yeah. Now, I think since you did a two-parter, now it'll be not one of us doing two things each week. It'll be, like, one of us doing a mental breakdown and the other one doing a case in the same week, rather than right. us doing both. So Although I do, have the, to... I do have the next mental breakdown, though, so it is almost like, you know what I mean? Yeah, but it's for next week, though. But for next week, yeah. yeah exactly. exactly. And then I have my next my case next yeah. Thursday. I have a doozy of a case. If you want to hear a very traumatic story about a very traumatic childhood. I don't know if you want to hear I don't that. I want to. But that's what my case <laughs> yeah. entails next week. So just to give everyone a little hinty hint. Yeah. Get your tickets for the True Crime and Paranormal Podcast Festival that is coming up literally before we know it in Austin, Texas in August. If you're from overseas from us, please email us or message us on Instagram. I still want a pen pal, y'all. Oh, we still haven't heard from South Dakota, right? Yeah, I actually looked and we have... At least one download uh, mm-hmm. from Sioux Falls. So oh, I'm not okay. sure if that was Who is one that? of our listeners that commented and said that they're from South Dakota. Because that person has messaged us in the past oh, and okay. we've talked to her. So I don't know if it was her or if it was someone new. Ooh. New from Sioux New, new. Falls. New from Sioux. But thank you guys for downloading. <laughs> and yeah, just looking at the... Dude, the map is wilded out. We yeah. are soups pop in, of course, America. But the UK loves us, dude. I'm excited. We haven't heard from anybody from the UK. We haven't. If you're from the UK... Well, other than uh, Lina, yeah. Oh, yes, of course. If you're from the UK or if you're from Australia... Australia. Or New Zealand, that would be awesome. Kind of wants New Zealand. I want New Zealand so bad. All right, I think that's all we got. You guys are probably tired of hearing our voices. I'm tired of hearing my own. Or not, because if you're a soups loyalist, then this is like your... 90th episode of listening to us. It's true. And uh, if this is uh, getting to you after, like, it's already airing and you're just catching up, 
just click the next one. There you go. Yeah. Wait, the next one. Yeah. If you're catching up, like, if you're already... If you're listening... If this is from the past... I mean, this is from the past to the future. Did this age well? (laughs) If you're from the future, let us know. If you're from the future, click on the next one. That's what I meant. (laughs) All right. We love you guys. All right. Love Love you. you. Bye. Bye. There's chocolate, and then there's lint chocolate. Chocolate that has a silky smooth and velvety texture has become synonymous with the name Lent since its conception in 1845. Click the link in the show notes to receive two 75-piece truffle bags for just $48. Be a part of the Lent legacy and grab a bag of their world-famous truffles today.